You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. Christine, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. For sure. So, Christine, when people ask you, what do you do? How do you answer that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Usually with like a, um... (laughs) I, uh, I'm a, a spiritual teacher and a clairvoyant, um, which typically brings like a host of questions with it. So uh, that's where I start. And then we just go from there when people start asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. So uh, what really inspired you to become a spiritual teacher and clairvoyant? Um. Uh, we could go back, you know, really far to when I was little and sure. weird, um, or we could skip forward a little bit further. <laughs> but uh, short of it is, um, you know, that I've always had some some element of connection to my higher senses, as well as a connection to uh, sort of inner knowingness and it guided me through some very difficult periods in my life. um, Most of which were created because I wasn't honoring who I was. So, you know, whether it was because of fear or because other people couldn't have me Mm -hmm. as, you know, in this capacity. Um, So it wasn't until I was, well, 1999 when I found a program in Denver that, um, supported me in developing my clairvoyance. And when I stepped into that program, it was like I had come home and I mm. did my first reading and it, it was like I had been reading my entire life. Um, it just made so much sense. And the structure of the program helped me to hone my abilities so that I was using them and that I controlled them rather than them just being sort of um, on the loose and out of control. So once I had that ability, I realized that um, there was a really strong calling in me to do something with it. I had throughout my entire life been a support for people, been a guide for people, um, advised them, counseled them. And when I was doing development work, people would come and, and talk to me about their problems and I would give them suggestions and directions so much so that I had to work after hours in order to get my work done because most of my day was spent talking to people. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, Was this really fulfilling for you when you first started? Um, I, you know, I didn't really think about it. It was just natural. I mean, even my mom, when I was in high school, used to call me the counselor because my friends were called to talk to me about their problems. And I just never, I never thought twice about it. It was just a natural space for me. Hmm. I see. So it sort of came naturally to you. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, was there a moment in time? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that that's, you know, that's an important piece of this is that, you know, so often we have that inner knowingness of what is natural for us and what we are meant to do or called to do. 
and because of society or culture or uh, family, you know, whatever it happens to be, we put that aside and we do something else that is safer or more acceptable. But always that call is there for us to step into that thing that is our true nature. Hmm. And would you say that um, it was sort of difficult for you to find your calling or like if other people are out there uh, who are listening are thinking, oh, what's my calling, you know, um, how would you sort of um, advise them to find their voice? I think it comes from really connecting to those things that you find joy in doing and have a passion for. Um, sometimes because we try to approach it with our mental body, we can't figure out how that could provide, uh, a, you know, sustainability for us. Um, but if we step out of that mental body piece and we simply follow the threads of what's coming, our spirit will typically lead us to the way to make it our daily existence. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so in the beginning, Christine, was this, um, did this start out as workshops or um, sort of like a, a tutorship or how did it start out? Uh, so in the very beginning, so 1999-ish, um, which was when I left the development field, um, I started opened up my own wellness center in Colorado and I was teaching yoga and doing clairvoyant readings for people. Um, I also have a naturopathic uh, certification or degree and a master herbalist degree. And so I was doing wellness work as well. And so it started there. Uh, and then in 2001, I had a call to move to New York City and it was just an inner awareness mm -hmm. that that's where I needed to be. And so I left Colorado and it took me about eight months to actually get to New York City because I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to move there. Really? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. But it, I've learned over the years that, you know, when you are being led to do something, if you don't do it, things get difficult. Like they, um, you know, the energy, whatever sustains us, whatever keeps things moving for us starts to dry up because it's the impetus to get us to move and shift. So I did it, but it took me eight months. Um, and in that process, I met people along the way. And what's, you know, so synchronistic and beautiful is that by the time I got to New York City, um, there were people that I had met in different parts of the country that turned out to be living right near me in Brooklyn. And they connected me to people that I started doing work with, which led to more and more from there. So it, you know, it was just, it was just a great example of what happens when we do follow that, uh, that nudge or pull to do something that we're called to do and doing it without actually knowing how it's going to work out. Mm. Wow. And Christine, what exactly happened in New York? 
<laughs> so, um, so one of the one of the people that I met on my journey uh, was a woman who she wanted to be a baker, but in the interim she was um, walking dogs for people, and one of her clients was um, the photographer Bruce Weber, and he had I think he had five goldens at the time, and one of the dogs had been on the street when the first plane hit the first tower and she was having insomnia. So um, working with animals was not something that I started doing, but I began doing it when I was living in the Adirondacks on this eight month journey, because every reading that I went to, the people had like five dogs and like a handful of cats and a couple of horses out in the field. And, they started asking me once I worked with them, if I could do the same thing with their animals. So I started to develop this space mm-hmm. where I was working with animals very much in the same way that I work with people. And so when I met her on the street in Brooklyn in this like synchronistic moment of look, Oh, Hey, there you are. And Oh, Hey, there you are. <laughs> she told me um, about, about rain and that she was having problems and she asked if I could help. And I said, you know, I don't know, but I'm, I'm happy to see. So the next day I got a call from Bruce's studio, um, from his studio manager. And we set up the time for me to come in. I did the work with rain. She got better. Um, and so they had me start to work with all the dogs. So from there, um, yeah, from there, um, uh, Bruce, and man recommended me to other people in their circle. And so I started working with Grace Coddington and who's, who was the creative director of Vogue. Um, and Grace, working with Grace, she mentioned me in her memoir, which became a New York Times bestseller. And then she was being interviewed by a New York Times writer and mm-hmm. mentioned me. And then the New York Times writer did a feature on me. So it was all this like synchronistic stuff that just happened because really because I said yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> and, wow. and there's other things like I, um, I was walking through the East Village and I walked into Whiskers and I was like, hey, this is who I am and this is who I do, what I do. And you know, would you be interested in, you know, open to me coming and doing readings like once a weekend or twice, a, you know, twice a month or something. So I was doing readings there for people, people's pets. And this woman um, saw me there and then she ended up, she worked for Saks and she did events for them. And the next thing you knew, I was like doing events back Fifth Avenue and like, it was just, you know, synchronistic and fun and kind of crazy (laughs) wow and man it it seems like all this happened because you grasped the opportunity absolutely because i you know because i was called to do it and and so when i say called to do it it's like this it's like this knowingness that you have that you're supposed to go do something and and the intensity of it is so strong that you know if you say no you basically, I call it like having a, a cosmic correction, right? If you, if, if you're being asked to do something and you don't do it, eventually the universe pulls the carpet out from under you and makes you do it. Mm. So it's mm. always easier 
to do it, right? To whether it's you know that you're in the wrong job and you've got to leave and do something else, or that you're supposed to go out and start your own business, or the relationship that you're in isn't really working, right? There's there's all these places where we know and because we're afraid or because we think it's going to be too difficult or because it's going to change things too much, we say no. And when we say no, it just gets tighter and tighter and harder and harder until we have to do it. And I believe that when we say yes, and the sooner we say yes, the more rewarded we are. Are you an expert or course creator trying to monetize your online course? Well, Use our one-page template to get more paying students to your online course without marketing overwhelm or sleazy sales tactics. You can download this for free at unstoppablebusiness.com. Now, back to the show. Hmm. Wow, that's very powerful. Wow. So, what was happening, Christine, in your personal life while all this was happening? So 2000, um, I had been in a marriage for, I think it was about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we um, came to the conclusion that we were really good friends. And Mm -hmm. that was great, but it it wasn't what either one of us wanted in the marriage. So we amicably split. um, And when I was in the Adirondacks, interestingly the thing that actually got me to move to new york city was um was a boyfriend wow okay (laughs) spirit was like hey (laughs) you're not moving yet how about a boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) and he you know he lived in new york city or in brooklyn so um i went down to visit him he was actually somebody that i knew in uh my undergraduate i did a um bachelor of fine arts at the University of Buffalo, and he was a graduate student when I was an undergraduate, and I actually worked for him in the gallery, um, and we dated for like three months, and that was it, and then I hadn't seen him for like 20 years, Uh and then he popped up, and I went down and visited him, and the next thing you knew, I moved in with him, so, um, Mm. and now I'm married to him, and I've been married to him for 16 years, so. (laughs) Wow, look at that. (laughs) So, yeah, and we've got, you know, a lovely conscious 15 year old boy son so that's kind of fun and nice Mm. christine was there was there any time in the beginning where it was sort of difficult to be a teacher where it really challenged you um i don't you know it wasn't difficult teaching because i i i love this space and i love i love the approach that i have with people because it's really about personal autonomy it's about giving people the tools to do their own work and find their own information um and dig deep and know how to clear things and move things so the work i love um i think you know the challenges that i had were all part of my growth which was shifting from a space of trust and faith, which is that place where you know that things will work out and you know that it's okay, but yet somewhere within you, you're doubting it and you've got fear and things are 
not necessarily flowing and things are tight financially, like all those things that make, you know, that challenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout that period of time, I did, I, I did try to apply to go back into, into fundraising work. And when I was a director of development, I was really good. Like I, you know, I consistently increased the revenue of organizations that I worked at. I, you know, was raising, you know, over $5 million a year for most of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I I was, it was something that I was really good at and I really enjoyed, but every time that I tried to go back into it, I wouldn't even get, like, I wouldn't even get an interview. I wouldn't even get a response. So it was like, Mm. okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Um, And then one day I finally realized um, that I had one foot in and one foot out. I wasn't, really committing myself to to doing this I wasn't certain that you know that I that this is what I was doing and and because of that things weren't actually clicking because in the work that I do I don't think that you can you can step into a space of um you know, I want to say leadership or uh, I guess leader, I'm going to use the word leadership. It's not the right word, but you know, you can step into the space of leadership if you have doubt, right? You don't get to have it unless you're absolutely certain that you can hold the space and you can be clear when you're teaching and sharing. So it was at that moment that things actually really shifted for me when I finally realized that um, it was my own doubt that was, you know, stopping me from from stepping into that space of of really making this be sustainable for me. Mm, I see. So you're saying that you sort of had one foot in, what one foot out. Like you were, you weren't fully committed to what you were doing. Um, yeah, and- I mean, I was fully committed, but it's like I think any time that you have like this this notion that you have a safety net um that it you know you're there's always this like well i could fall back on that and and in that you're not it's not that you're not fully committed you're not fully present in it you haven't fully immersed yourself in in the belief that you can do this Hmm. i see so what what caused that um, that tipping point of where you were like okay this is it you know like I'm gonna go full into this yeah well I mean that's the work that I do like I, that's the work that I do with people and I do that work on myself so I'm constantly looking at myself and the the thoughts that are coming up and the pictures and and the um, you know the the critical voice that's talking and I'm picking it apart and I'm looking at it energetically and I'm saying you know, what is this or why isn't this working or how come this is like this or what's causing this to happen in my space. So, you know, it took, it took a little bit of time for me to, and I think it's all part of the process, right. For me to be ready to Mm -hmm. step into this space because it, it's, you know, people think, um, I think people from the, from, you know, an outside perspective can think that, um, being at a certain level of visibility is, I don't know, like it's easy or it's fun or, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever people think about it, 
But when you're actually in it, um, there's some really great pieces to it, absolutely. But there's also there's also challenges because um, not everybody is going to love you. Not everybody is going to accept your truth. Not everybody is going to be open to what it is that you're saying or are ha- sharing. And in my work, um, those people tend to not be very nice, right? They want to belittle or criticize or attack. And so if you're not ready to be at that level, it can destroy you. And being ready to be at that level really means being, uh, having the ability to validate yourself and not need external validation, not needing somebody to say like, oh, you're great or you're good or I like this or this works for me. You know, I'm happy when that happens, but I don't need it if I needed it. And I was at a level where, you know, this dynamic was going on, it would crush me because I'm sensitive. I'm an energetically sensitive person. So I get the trajectory. Like I get all these things had to happen Hmm. before I could be at a certain place. And I'll give you a great example. I, um, so I, I have had, you know, fun and crazy things happen to me that just fall into my lap. And so, you know, the work that I do with animals, people seem to, they like it. I think it's, you know, it's, it's less, um, I guess it's less threatening, right? Because it's with animals and it's not with people and they can have it a little bit more because they want to know about their animals. So a lot of stuff has come through that space. Um, and I was approached by uh, Instagram influencer, uh, Toast, um, Toast Meets World, and that's uh, Katie Storino. And the Dodo wanted to do a live feed with the dogs she had uh, three dogs at the time mm-hmm. and they wanted to do a live feed of me doing a reading with the dogs. So she, you know, they reached out to me and I was like, sure, like, that'd be great. So this is, you know, a million people on the Dodo feed and 750,000 on toast speed, right? This is like, wow. that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go into New York city and we set up to do the reading and the, the woman from the dodo comes and I hear the assistant say to the woman from the dodo, um, just focus on this area. Don't get any of the, you know, of the, the boxes in the back, you know, just cut them out of the video. So we go into doing the reading and this woman is videoing and I'm thinking like, what exactly is she getting in this shot? Because she looks kind of low. Uh-huh. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I finished the, the space and uh, later I, I go and I check the replay of the live stream and <laughs> she's videoed from my nose down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> in the entire thing. And then I look at the comments and the comments start out with kind of the usual, um, you know, people tagging other people to, to see it. And then the, like, this is, um, this is bullshit and she's full of it and get a real job. Like that's the kind of thing that shows up. Wow. Right. Yeah. And then the deeper you get into the comments, it gets, it gets really funny. They get conspiratorial. Why isn't she showing her face? What does she have to hide? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I can tell you that, you know, 
in 2002, that would have crushed me. Mm. I would have mm-hmm. been mortified. I would have been, I would have been horrified. I would have been like completely devastated by this. But I guess this was two years ago. I just, I laughed about it. I shared it on my page. I said, make sure you check out the comments. It's hysterical. (laughs) 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 And just a very different space. Right. And, and so it's a, it's just an example, given what I do, that there are always going to be people who, who want to approach it from that perspective because it, it challenges them. It scares them. Um, right. You know, they don't they don't want to step into that space. So their way of dealing with it is to be dismissive or to be disrespectful or whatever it happens to be. Um, but I just you know, it's it's a great example of what I'm talking about. Right. And I had to go through many, many things. I call them like, uh, you know, uh, gates of fire, really, right. to get to that place where I was mm-hmm. so clear and certain that I could laugh about that and not be mortified by it. Hmm. I see. So, uh, Christine, when did you decide that you wanted to make the move from offline to online? Well, you know, that's interesting because I have almost consistently been online. Um, my desire was to reach people globally, um, to work with people, you know, all around the world. And so really right from the very beginning, what I was doing was employing business technology to reach people. So initially we started out, um, using teleconference lines, Mm -hmm. um, and then, I, I had, uh, I invested to have a, an online community built, um, for, for one of my communities. And I don't know, I think like a year after I invested to have it built, I think Facebook, you know, became very popular and everybody mm-hmm. moved to Facebook and I was like, Oh God, right. <laughs> <God> damn. <laughs> um, so like everything moved, moved into Facebook and, um, and then video technology became, became accessible. Um, you know, it's one of the first people using YouTube. I, I just, mm. I've always been interested in how to use technology to reach people. So, um, I can't tell you the number of, of companies that I've been, you know, startups that I've been one of the first, you know, 100, 500 people using their service. I would get calls from the, you know, the owners of the company and interact with them, even GoDaddy. I started with GoDaddy when they first started and I didn't get calls from um, the owner. I got calls from the owner's assistant. He would call me to make sure I was doing okay, um, to make sure my websites were working all right. (laughs) I I mean, how crazy is that, right? Yeah, that's pretty nuts. so, yeah, I mean, technology has just always been a, a, a tool for me to help me reach more people. Um, and, and offline has always been the challenge for me, you know, getting, finding places to speak and connect with people. Um, and that's what, that's what I really have to work at. I, 
I don't have to work at so much, you know, building the online community because there just seems to be a natural affinity there for me. Hmm. I see. So since you can already reach so many people through your online platform, um, what's the compelling reason for going to offline? There's a different, there's just a different dynamic. Um, again, I think it's always been really important to me in the online space to create community and to, and to have, to have these connections that are really powerful. But even with that, when we meet in person, it's totally different. Hmm. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a, it's just a different feeling and a different experience. And I'm not saying that one is better um, because they're both beautiful and they're both powerful, but there, right. there's definitely a different sense to meeting somebody in person. I see. So Christine, what is something that, what is a project that you're working on right now that's most important to you? Um, I am really, again, you know, stepping into a space that allows me to use technology to hopefully reach even more people. And what I'm doing is creating uh, an app that mm-hmm. will be accessible through um, through iPhones and uh, smartphones. And it will it will have everything in it. So it's going to have meditations and mudras and mantras and affirmations and daily messages. And um, it's going to have, it's got a whole uh, free section and then the premium section. What I'm really hoping is to, um, I really just want to make it financially accessible to people because I hear that a lot, that the work is not accessible to some people. So it's going to have a very low monthly cost of $9.99 and and the quality of what's going to be in there is, um, I think it's going to be really powerful. So I'm hoping that it's going to encourage people to step more and more into this work and develop their personal autonomy because that's, that's what the work is all about. It's about moving into that space where where you can be just like I am, you know, in that space of certainty and, and really holding um, the parameters and the container for who you are and what you are and being able to show up completely regardless of what anybody else thinks. Well, it's very powerful. Hmm. Um, Christine, is there something that uh, knowing all this, all the projects that you've been on so far and your whole journey. Um, is there something that you wish could have been different about it all? Mm, I'm going to say no, because it all, of course, um, leads us to who we are, right? It's all part of our growth process. And if there was something, I would say, I really wish that I could know today. I could know then what I know today and I could have cut out all the middle part. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think, I guess, you know, uh, if I, if I could share something with everyone that I think would be, would be like a big aha, um, 
is that I've learned, I've always identified as being an uh, introvert, which I am. I get drained by, mm-hmm. you know, being out in public and uh, being around a lot of people. It's very draining for me. However, uh, things that I assigned to my introversion were not actually part of it. So there's a big piece of of what I would see in the physical world, we'd identify as performance anxiety. Um, in the spiritual world, I think we can identify it as fear. Um, and so if you find yourself setting out the intention to do something, and then as you're getting ready to do it, you're, all the energy is coming up that's saying, I don't want to do this. Why did I say I would do this? This is the last thing that I want to do. Maybe I won't go. Maybe I'll cancel it. I encourage you to stop. See if you can identify what is at the base of that energy and pick it apart and see if it actually has any validity. So, for example, the fear may be, I'm afraid I'm going to go and make a fool of myself, mm-hmm. right? So if we pick that fear apart, what's at the root of it? Um, is there any truth to it? So you see like, okay, I'm afraid I'm going to make a fool of myself, but I know, I know I know my stuff. I can talk about anything. I have no problem talking about it. So therefore that fear is, is not valid and I can release it. Mm. So Mm. I just encourage people to look at anything that they're doing from that perspective, right? If fear is coming up, what is the fear? Pick it apart, identify what's the root of it. And when you identify what's at the root of it, determine whether or not it holds any validity. And if it doesn't get rid of it. And if it does, figure out what you need to do to shift it. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Christine. Hey, you're welcome. So is there is there a vision that you have for yourself and for Awaken and Grow for the future, maybe like five to ten years from now? Um, I guess the vision is really, you know, to continue to reach more and more people with this information. I just really, I think it's so necessary right now. And especially like, you know, we're in this cancel culture, which I am having a hard time with because, you know, the mistakes that we make are actually what create the growth that gets us to where we are. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who, you know, have made mistakes and haven't learned anything because that's absolutely true. Um, But I think that there's a lot of people who, who have made whatever mistakes that they've made and they have um, grown in who they are. And I think that as we step into consciousness, we, we need to be, we need to be growing and we need to be healing and we need to be understanding what this journey is all about. And, and there's a lot of people who work in different ways, but it is the nature of my work um, that helps whoever is attracted to it, understand that process and then step into their own personal autonomy where they are responsible for their life and their journey. And they have the tools and the abilities to create and manifest the things they want. So yeah, I, I really want more people to have access to this information. That's my big, that's my big vision. Mm, that's pretty awesome. 
So Christine, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience out there listening? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I hope that everybody will come and join me in the app because I think it's going to be pretty, I'm very mm -hmm. excited about it. I think it's going, I think what it's going to do is enable me to, you know, build a new, a new and even more uh, inclusive and rich community. Because um, that's always, it's just community is, that's such a big part of, it's actually one of my core values is to build community. Um, so yeah, I hope that people will come and join me there and they can find it at awakeningrowflow.com.